All right, this is Sermon 2 of Colossians. I'm just going to recap a little bit. Because this is called Because of Jesus, I want to go back over the things that we know about Jesus from the last chapter. So the first is Jesus is God in the flesh. We remember Jesus is um, the, uh, the, wow, it's like going from my mind. Jesus is the invisible God in the flesh. Okay, so Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, Jesus is not a second-rate created God. He was there from before creation. He is created everything, and all things are in and through him. Jesus is the head of the church. He doesn't just leave us and has gone off. He's still here to be our head. And Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead. Um, And that is fabulous for us because it means that one day we also will rise with him. Um, So this week, I'm going to hit three sections of Colossians. Um, In the first section we'll read today, Paul will encourage us to remain steadfast and stable in our faith. In the second section we'll read today, Paul will encourage us to press through the hard times and suffering for the sake of the growth of the church. And in the third section we read today, Paul will encourage us to build community to bring people to maturity in Christ. All right, so let's begin with section one, an encouragement for us to remain steadfast and stable in our faith. I'm reading from Colossians 1, 21 to 23. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Okay, so our first question is, how can we continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, like Paul says? So um, what are some things that we can do personally to remain stable and steadfast, and what are some things that we can do as a church body to remain stable and steadfast? So if you want to throw those up now, I'll check on them in a little bit. So Jesus has the authority to change our position. Uh, It says that uh, we were hostile and alienated. Those are some pretty uh, harsh sort of um, intense words that you use, hostile and alienated from God. So there's pro- there might be people out here now who are, who are like, God, I don't believe in God. Why should I believe in God? He's let me down, whatever. And you, you have kind of a hostile attitude to him. Or there might be people who are like, I, God would never love me. I've done too much. I've sinned too much. I can't have a relationship with God. There's no way he would have anything to do with me. Hostile and, and, and alienated. But I want to look at someone in the Bible who was hostile and alienated and then came into a relationship with Jesus. So we're going to look at Saul, who became Paul, who wrote this book of the Bible and many, many others. In Acts 9, 1 through 9, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. 
The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate or nor drank. Uh, you would think that someone who stood at the site of the first martyrdom of a Christian and gave assent, encouraged it, would not be able to go into relationship with God. You'd think someone whose whole life mission was to go to all the places around and seek out Christians and kill them would not be able to be in a relationship with God. But no one is above Jesus's grace, and no one is above Jesus's authority. And so while Saul was um, blinded and went to, um, into Damascus, and then Jesus told um, one of his disciples, go and pray for him, which would probably have been very scary for him as well, right? Go and pray for him. And um, he prayed for him, and Saul was healed of his blindness, and he went on and planted most of the churches, um, or was the father that planted the churches that planted the other churches in pretty much the entire Roman world at that time. So it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter um, whether we are angry with God or whether we are fearful of God. Jesus has the authority. It says in Matthew 28 and 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And all we need to do is enter in a relationship with him because his resurrection is what gives him the authority for us to come into that. Jesus uses his authority to make us blameless and holy. We get to stand before God blameless and holy. It used to be in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into the presence of God and had to be blameless and holy. There was all kinds of rituals that had to happen or he could literally die. And now, because we're in relationship with Christ, we get to be blameless and holy. What an incredible position. We are above reproach. That means that when the enemy comes at you and is like, you are not good enough, do you remember what you did before? Do you remember who you are? There's no way God wants to have a relationship with you. It's not true. We are above reproach when we um, accept the authority of Christ. And we are children of God. We are, um, it's only through the authority of Christ that we gain all of the rights and privileges to be children of God. We can approach God with the Holy Spirit living in us. We can gain spiritual wisdom and join in God's work and mission. And we have access to all the power that Jesus has to healing, to restoration, to the things that he has. Uh, what are some of the benefits we get from Jesus' authority? The Christian role is to continue together, stable and steadfast in our, in our faith in the gospel. The gospel is the good news in Jesus, that Jesus has the authority to save us. So we can be stable and steadfast when we trust the gospel and follow Jesus in all his ways. That is the role of Christians. Um, when we do not follow Christ, we do not benefit from all of the privileges he has given us access to, not because we haven't earned them or because we don't deserve them, but because we miss out on the things he's provided for us because we're caught up in our own ideas and our own ways. All right, let's see what we said on Slack. How do we continue uh, stable and fed fast? All right.
Uh, God transcends times. This helps me see beyond my limited perception and view life as something greater than my own uh, finite experiment, experience. So true, right? God, um, God is so beyond us that he can, that when we, when we look out and we see uh, that he knows the beginning from the end, it can encourage us. Um, Again, someone holy and acceptable through his sacrifice. We make God our first resource rather than our last resource. So when we go to God um, before we want to attack the problem instead of when we've tried to attack the problem and nothing else, nothing seems to happen, and then we're like, oh, well, God, I guess I'll turn it over to you. Um, I think we need to not be too discouraged by setbacks or questions. I know personally I can get discouraged when things don't seem to be working out or like when I'm attempting, or, or when what I'm attempting isn't working out. But we have to settle back on our cornerstone of Jesus and keep listening and praying to God and don't just drop it because we don't see immediate results. Absolutely, right? Perseverance. We don't always get what we want the first time. Um, but if God's calling you to something, persevere in that. Um, all right. I admit the whole line of thinking really bothers me. There's not even a hint of personal responsibility. The underlying implications that I need to wait for God to teach me something, and if he hasn't done so, I don't need to worry about it. The reality is I see it, uh, see it is that we are responsible for learning more than God is responsible for teaching. The lessons are all there. We just need to engage. I 100% agree with that. I mean, it's not that, okay, I became a Christian, so now I don't do anything. I just sit back. We do. We do have a responsibility, but we will never do enough to earn God's blessing in our life. God gives that to us. And then hopefully what that does is changes our behavior so that we um, become more Christ-like. Good point. All right, I'm going to move on now. Let's move to, the, the, to point two, encouragement to press through the hard times and suffering for the sake of the growth of the church. I'm going to read from Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's effect, afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I am a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What do you do, this is our second slot question, what do you do that brings you joy despite how much it costs you to do it? So Paul finds motivation to continue to work through toward the benefits of the church because he compares the hardships and struggles that he faces to the hardships and struggles that Jesus faced. Um, when I was uh, in youth ministries, uh, if a youth would miss youth one night, I would be like, yo, I missed you at youth. And they were like, yeah, I was like really tired, man. And I was like, yeah, it's a good thing that Jesus wasn't too tired to die on the cross for you, right? Which is not effective, just so you know. I was just kidding. But I think that, um, and it is true, that when there's hard times, we do need to have rest. It's not like you have to attend every week or else you don't get your gold star. But sometimes 
we actually need to persevere in things. And uh, like one of the comments said, you know, when things don't happen right away or when it gets a bit challenging, we, need, we do need to, to um, persevere. If we're to imitate Paul, we need to expect to work, even to the point of struggling to help the church grow. Paul was actually in jail while he was writing this letter. So that's a lot of struggle, the in jail. Um, I was like, mm, what have I been struggling in lately? So um, when we do our sermon series, we actually plan them like way far in advance. Um, I think we've actually got into March plan now. So I've known for a while that I was going to do this sermon series, but I also was in school and I was in work and I had to struggle on a cruise for a couple weeks and um, a few things. But, um, uh, and there was a few times I was like, forget it, I don't want to do it. I'll just tell Rob I'm not going to do it. But I knew that if I struggled through it, I would learn so much more than I'm probably teaching any of you by studying the book of Colossians. And it was worth it. And um, obviously it was like not like a horrible mortal struggle or anything. It, but it was just that matter of like um, putting the time aside to do the thing that I feel like God has called me to do. And in struggling through that hard stuff, that's how we mature in our faith. By not giving up, we can achieve the goals of the mission of the church to make the word of God fully known, it says. When we do what God has called us to, he gives us energy to keep going. And I know for myself, um, you know, I talk about youth a lot, and I do miss doing it, but I would go, I would be... So one of the problems is when you do youth with your kids, and you're like, I don't feel like going to youth tonight, and then they're like, well, mom, I really want to go anyway, and then you're like, okay, well, I have to drive you. It's like, not like I can't go now, right? And then I'd go in, and then by the end of the night, I would be like, I am so glad I did this. And so when you find the thing that's passionate, um, I do not like children's ministry, but Rob says I can't be negative because Pastor Amy needs some more volunteers, but children's ministry sucks the living soul out of me to do it. But for other people, it's like, like Derek loves little people. It's like, I don't understand it. But then I'm like, okay, to watch a young, to watch a child grasp that Jesus loves them has got to be one of the most incredible things to do. So I know there's a place for children's ministry, and there are those of you super gifted and talented with extra grace, I'm sure, who uh, enjoy children's ministry. And that's just it. You find the place where you, um, where God has called you to serve. And then it, it is a joy. And when you do struggle through, you get that, um, that excitement of seeing God work in and through you. All right. Um, I'm going to go back to our... Our last question. Ooh, I like some of these. Okay, crafting. Again, not something I'm skilled at, but good for some of you. Dance. We do know I'm skilled at that. But um, Biking. Yes, excellent. Art. Boating. Arts. Children. Great for you. <laughs> Art. Um, so... Christ is uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Maybe the most important verse in the Bible. Um, question, what do you do despite how much it costs you? Oh, yeah, okay. Not sure if that's exactly working. What does that mean? Okay, every opportunity to fear is an opportunity to trust God. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, when I am weak, 
God is strong, right? When I stretch myself, God meets me there. If I'm only ever doing anything that's safe, I am not maturing in um, my relationship with God. Love that. Um, so I'm going to ask you, where are you willing to be involved in the church to help it grow? Are you willing to give your time and your resources? Are you really willing to be bold and step out of your comfort zone? And we want you guys to help us make opportunities for people like you to get involved. Because if you'd like to do something, I think there's someone else out there that likes to do something. If you don't currently see somewhere at Promise Church where you're like, that brings me passion, then come and talk to us and let's find somewhere where you do. And it does not have to just be on Sunday mornings. God is not just a Sunday morning God. He likes to do things outside of church as well. So come and talk to us. There are people out there who need to hear about Jesus. Uh, some of the opportunities that we provide for you are our street meet and greet barbecue. We had such a good time at the Asawe's place on Friday night. Steel drums, a lot of burgers, chicken everywhere. Get involved. There's so much fun. Our grants program, um, we're in the process of revamping it. Join a grant program. What a way to build our community. Community programs, uh, different things that we put on. Again, shout out for Ron's Life of Christ on Wednesday night. It's kind of cool. We really like it. Um, and just learning about Jesus. But we also did one on finances. And if there's something that you're like, I know that people around me uh, could really learn, it would benefit them to learn about this, come and talk to us, and we can find someone who knows stuff, and they can do a community program. Um, and we can do more. We're looking for your ideas. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we want to do as a church, and that's what we feel like promise is called to. Um, our final section of text today is from chapter 2 which will encourage us to build community to bring people to maturity in Christ. Colossians 2, 1-5. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those of Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Our last question this morning is from this passage, what do you think the purpose of community is? We function in community so that we can encourage each other. It says hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Uh, loving each other in this community looks like uh, maybe talking to someone you've never met before at break or at an event or when you're doing stuff or um, being there for people in need. Um, we like to be a church that responds when things happen to people. That's why we have grants. That's why we have our uh, rapid response team. That's why we're developing communities of care so that when people are in need, we want to come around them um, and I believe I've said this before, that God puts the lonely in families and that um, sometimes our own actual families aren't close um, and we can feel isolated and alone and God wants to bring people in and he wants to use us to love them. Let's see what's on Slack. 
support, prayer, encouragement, cheap therapy, those are all good. Um, and then the Friday night barbecue was fun. Yep. Um, Uh, it can be draining at times to serve my husband and children, but I find recovering, uh, recovering and studying the Word of God. That's good. Uh, we are designed for community just as we are designed to eat food. It is non-physical revitalization. Absolutely. To help each other with everyone's individual strengths, to make a group body that can do something, and to find someone who actually wants to watch the kids. Yes. <laughs> Um, community is to be the church, the expression of God at work in us and through us, same way as Jesus does. Yeah. Um, we, when we all bring our strengths, right? We're all good at different things. We're all, when we all bring those to God, then that's part of the joy of community. Um, the purpose of loving each other is part of community, but that's not it. Paul says the purpose of, um, the, Paul says the purpose of loving each other is to reach all the riches of assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So just loving each other isn't enough. We actually want to build into other people's lives. So I'm going to ask you a question. Is there someone in your life that you can teach the things of God? I am a huge fan of mentoring. So I've been mentoring uh, young people for years and years and years. And I believe that uh, one of the things that we kind of lost in the church was this whole process of discipling for a while. We were really focused on getting people saved, and that was really good. Salvation is obviously an excellent part of the whole faith journey. Um, but then oftentimes we would just be like, yeah, you're saved, peace out, I'm moving on to the next person. But we, all, we grow in community. We strengthen each other. We learn from each other. Um, and so uh, when we disciple or mentor or whatever re, uh, word you want to use, we can bring comfort. We can bring encouragement. We can bring exhortation. We can build people up into maturity in Christ, the things that we're called to. And this doesn't have to be just inside the church. It's good when it's in the ch inside the church. It's good. Uh, there's lots of scriptures about uh, older Christians teaching younger Christians and that kind of thing. That's good. But we can do that outside of the church as well. With our discipleship wheel, uh, which you just saw earlier, one of the reasons why we um, focus on our discipleship wheel is because whether you're in a relationship with God or whether, whether you're a long time in it or new in it or still searching it, we all follow that pattern of like uh, promise, trust, follow, question, mission, all right, and we're going around, and you might come along someone, you're having questions about this, they're having questions about that, and as you get together and you talk about the things of God, you can encourage each other in your faith. What you need to do to qualify to be a mentor? Uh, love Jesus. <laughs> That's it. Um, you need to share the things that go on. You don't need to have like a Bible college degree and then a seminary degree and whatever. You need to love Jesus. There are some things that you can do. Um, it's important. Uh, I use the oxygen mask thing. Like you put on your own oxygen mask before you help someone else. You read your Bible. You get to know your Bible. You study your Bible so that when someone comes at you with how do I handle this? What do I know about this? 
um, you say, well, it says here in the Bible that this is a good way to do it, and the Bible's always good. Or you say, I don't really know. Let me look at the Bible and see if it has anything to say about that. Because we know that the authority in the, with the authority of Christ, um, when we fully understand who we are, then we're able to teach others that as well and to um, help build them up and grow them in maturity. Uh, that's it for me for today. I'm just going to recap. So in our first section... We read that Paul encourages us to remain steadfast and stable. Um, the, Paul also encourages us to press through those hard times and suffering for the sake of the growth of the church, and that Paul encourages us to build community to bring people to maturity in Christ. So I just challenge you um, this week as you go, just be asking God, is there someone whose life I need to um, speak into? Is there something that our church needs that I need to talk to Pastor Rob about? Is there something that God's calling me to do to encourage someone else? Um, and let's be a community that builds up each other and helps each other come to maturity. I'm going to close in prayer. God, I thank you that we can never be too hostile or alienated that you don't desire to have a deep and intimate relationship with us. And that as we come to you, as we lay down at your feet, as we recognize all the things that you've done for us and through us, Lord, that we would give back, that we would love, that we would help to be, build your community, that we would bring glory to your name by being known as a people and a church that loves you and loves others. And so, God, I just pray that as we go from here, that you would um, encourage us and strengthen us and give us new visions and dreams and ideas and ways that we can reach those for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So have a fabulous week. It's summer. Enjoy it. And uh, we will see you back here next week. And Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Life of Christ. See you there.